Good evening. Glad to see you guys. Glad you're here. Um, I'm still a little bit worn out from the first annual Bible Bowl. A lot of you guys know that uh, M-Dub, MWSB, Montana Wilderness, is that, should I scoot a little bit closer? How's that? Good? Can you guys hear me? MWSB, Montana Wilderness School of the Bible, played a Montana Bible College today in a game of basketball in the first annual, what do they call it, Golden Goose? I call it Bible Bowl. Is a trophy here? No? It's all right. Uh, Montana Bible College won by, was it four points, five points? Five points, good game. And I appreciate so many of you M-Dub folks sticking around. In fact, if I could have all the people here that are down from the Bible College, MWSB, please stand up real, real quick. Yeah, thanks. You bet. Appreciate you guys. <clears throat> appreciate you coming. Uh, we love guests, and uh, we hope that you're treated well as our guests that you loved and, and felt compassion for and prayed for and uh, become part of the body in your short stay here. So thanks for coming. Uh, on another note, who remembers these? Huh? Yeah, you remember these? Snap around your wrists. I do. I used to go wild with these things until they wore out. This is for Advance 314. Okay, these are going to be the tickets to get in. Advance 314 is April 12th and 13th. It's coming right up. You register for the conference online. Okay, it's inexpensive, but if it is an expense to any of you and that's a problem, let me know. We'll help you out. We really want you to be here. We're really, really excited about it. Uh, it will look very different that night. There will be uh, high school and college age students from all around Montana and really all around the nation that join with us that weekend. M-Dub, if you guys can make it down then, that'd be sweet too. Uh, you get yourself one of these. Okay, that was pretty cool. <clears throat> when they work, right? <clears throat> so, April 12th and 13th, we'll be reminding you guys, that's coming up. Advanced 314, that stands for, for Philippians 314, advanced314.com. Or is it .org? I think it's .com. Org? Okay. Advanced314.org. Log in and check out the video. Uh, fellas did a really good job on that, and it's really, a, I think, a good preview of what's to come. So, here we are. Rick said it well. Now we get to worship through teaching, okay? I love singing with you all. I love visiting with you before, and I love visiting with you after. In fact, I love praying with you all. But now comes the time where we get to worship through teaching. Well said, Rick, and it is a joy to be here. You, those of you who were here last week will remember what we did. We taught on assurance. We taught on, you say you believe, how do you know you believe? How do you know if you're a believer? Okay, the question isn't whether or not you believe, but how do you know you believe? And so Andy and I taught together and we went through First John. We hit six bullet points. We said, we encouraged you as Paul did in First uh, Corinthians thirteen five to examine yourself or test yourself. Maybe it's Second Corinthians. Is it 2 Corinthians? Yes, yeah, 2 Corinthians 13.5, excuse me. Test yourself, examine yourself. Uh, or do you not know this about yourself, that Christ Jesus is in you, unless indeed you fail the test? We talked about a doctrinal test. Do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God? That He lived a spotless life? That He was crucified on the cross? That He bore God's wrath? That He was raised from the grave on the third day? <clears throat> they ascend to the right hand of the Father, and even today, intercedes for us. We talked about a social test. Do you love one another? 
Do you have a unique sort of love for those in the body of Christ? We should surely love all people. God loves all people. His word says that he does. But there's a special unique bond you should feel with people in the kingdom. Do you love well? Do you love your brother? Uh, And the third, of course, was the test of morality. Do you walk in the light or do you walk in the darkness? And so we're going to pick up, we've been going over this series of roots since last August. We'll change uh, again next August. We'll go on to a different series, but we've been going through roots since last August. We've talked about the word of God. We've talked about prayer. We've talked about God, the father, God, the son. We've talked about the gospel. We've talked about evangelism. We've talked about many things. We haven't talked about God, the spirit. Who or what is God the Spirit? Now, when I say God the Spirit or the Holy Spirit, probably lots of things come to mind. Uh, Maybe that stirs up emotions or thoughts or ideas. In fact, if there was a topic that was varied in the body of Christ, this might be one of them. So we're going to talk about that tonight. I don't know the background that you come from tonight. I don't know where all of you come from. Um, I know where I came from. On this, I know that my background affected a lot the way I thought about the Holy Spirit. But tonight we're going to ask, or we're going to seek to discern and ask two questions. Okay, we're going to cover a lot tonight, but I want you to walk away with two questions answered. First, who or what is the Spirit of God? Who or what is the Spirit of God? Okay, hang on to those sheets. We're going to pass them out in just a second. I know someone got passed out. That's okay, but I'm going to pass the rest out in just a second. So, who or what is the Spirit of God? Two, what does the Spirit of God do? What does He do? Who is He? What does He do? Okay? Now, we won't do this by experience. We won't do this by rumor. We won't do it by hearsay. We won't do it by background. How will we do it? How will we know those things? Here's how we'll know them. What better place to go and find out who God is than what He's written about Himself? See, God's description of himself isn't marred by sin. It's not tainted by uh, the world's view. It's not warped like our view of God can be. God's view of God is perfect. It's accurate. In fact, think of it. Everything that we know about God, should know, could know, want to know, right here. Okay. Now, obviously, he has kept some things secret from us that we will find out in eternity but everything that we do know about God comes from where? Right here. Okay, it comes from what he's described himself as. So what better way tonight to understand him than to look, to look at him? You guys know we're going through this Roots and Fruit series. And we've always done two weeks. We've done a root this week and then a fruit next week. Tonight we're going to do root and a fruit. Okay, so buckle up. Go through a lot. But I need you to stay with me. If you guys could pass out those sheets, those notes and handouts. Now, I know some of you guys have them. That's okay. Uh, Nico's very ambitious, and I appreciate his, <laughs> his zealousy to get those out. <laughs> He's fervent <laughs> to get those sheets out. That's good stuff, but I appreciate that. <clears throat> <clears throat> so as you're passing those out, I want you to know that a great majority of what I am going to teach on tonight came from uh, four or five sermons I listened to, read through, studied by Brian Hughes. Uh, these were a great help to me. Okay, I looked at lots of different resources, maybe not lots, but different resources, books, uh, other sermons. What I kept coming back to is the information contained in these. And so uh, just a lot of what I got was really helpful from there. But I want you to follow along on your sheet. Okay, It's two-sided, and we're going to go through it quickly. Don't expect to get it all. That's a master sheet for you to go home, for you to study, for you to keep, for you to hang on to. First, we're going to lay some groundwork. We're going to cover a great amount of things. 
On the other hand, I'm going to let you know what I want you to take away tonight, okay? So don't panic as we're covering a whole bunch of things. First, again, I want to show you briefly from Scripture that the Spirit of God is indeed a he and not a it. The Spirit of God is a he and not a it. And two, that, the, that he, that Holy Spirit, is intimately a part of the Trinity and that he himself really is not just a spirit or a force, but the very Spirit of God. How do we do this? We've already established that. We'll look at God's Word. So we'll start with the personhood of the Holy Spirit. Okay, this is root one. This is foundation. This is root one. How are we going to do this? The Holy Spirit has the attributes of personality. Okay, he has intellect or he has a mind. In John 16, 7 through 15, it talks about, Jesus says, no one knows the thoughts of God except for what? The Spirit of God. That's right. So he has intellect or mind. He also has emotions. He can be grieved. Ephesians 4.3 says, do not grieve the Spirit of God. Romans 15.30 says he has a will or volition. 1 Corinthians uh, 12.7-11 talks about that again. He has a volition. Well, it's talking about the spiritual gifts and he says he divides them as he will. He's made some teachers, some uh, preachers. He's given different gifts and he divides them as he will. He also performs the action of a person. Okay, so he speaks. He speaks. Grab your Bibles. I've put in bold the ones we're going to go over. Go to Acts. Acts chapter 13. <clears throat> now, I know some of you guys don't have a Bible. That's okay. Grab one out of the, uh, the pew in front of you. I want you to see what we're going over tonight. Acts 13. I'm parched from that basketball game. Acts <laughs> chapter 13. 1 through 2. What's going on here? Heard a great sermon on this one time. It's called... Uh, when God killed people in the church. Sorry, that's later. 13, <laughs> 1 through 2. <laughs> Got ahead of myself. Now we are Antioch in the church. There was there uh, preachers and teachers, Barnabas and Simon, who were called uh, Niger and Lucifer of Siren and Menaean, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Paul. Um. And Saul, while they were ministering to the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Okay, so we see the Holy Spirit speaks. He is a person. Now go to John 14. Go back in your Bibles to John chapter 14 and look at verse 26 with me. The Spirit also teaches. It says, but the Helper, capital H, Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to you the remembrance that which I said to you. So he speaks, he teaches. Romans 8.26 says he prays and he commands. <clears throat> the Holy Spirit also receives the actions of a person. He is lied to, he is blasphemed, he is resisted, he is insulted. Here's an interesting one. The Holy Spirit contradicts the rules of grammar. What do I mean by that? Okay, in English we have natural uh, genders. If I was to say husband, you would think male. That's a, that's a masculine gender. Okay? If I was to say uh, wife, you would think automatically female. If I was to say house, you would think that's a neuter or uh, uh, doesn't have a gender. Okay? In Greek, it's not like that. Okay? A church is a feminine word, but a building or a house is a masculine word. Okay? It's, it's uh, less like English in that way. Okay, so the Holy Spirit, the word for Holy Spirit in Greek is a neuter word. Okay, a neuter word, which doesn't mean that he's not a he, it just means it's a neuter word, like many neuter words. But Jesus in John 16 
goes out of his way to do something very interesting. Pronouns and nouns have to match genders, right? You can't say he did this and she did this and be talking about the same person, right? Hopefully not anyhow, okay? Pronouns and nouns should match genders, but Jesus goes out of his way in John 16. He uses the neuter form of the word, but he keeps going back to the masculine form of the pronoun. Why? Because Jesus doesn't know the language? No, because he wants us to understand the Holy Spirit is a he. Okay, he's a person. That's an interesting way of how Christ let us know he is indeed a he. Okay? Uh, finally, he is linked with other persons. In Acts 15.28, he's linked with the apostles. And in John 14.16, he's linked with the Lord Jesus. So now we know that the Holy Spirit is indeed a he and not an it. We must ask ourselves, what kind of he? Is he a he like you and me? What kind of he is this person? <clears throat> there are various cults, subcults. Uh, various religions that teach all kinds of wild things about the Holy Spirit. Some say he's just a force. Some say he's a wind. Some say uh, he's a God in and of himself, not part of the Trinity. Okay, you see things all across the board. In fact, I remember going to a, a conference one time when I was a new believer, and the speaker was speaking, and they put <coughs> she put a handkerchief in her shirt and was leading herself around like this and saying that he, the Holy Spirit was leading her and using that as an illustration. As a young believer, I didn't quite understand what was going on or why that was wrong, but I didn't know that it was wrong. The Holy Spirit is not some handkerchief in someone's shirt. Okay, the Holy Spirit is a he and a person. Person does not equal human. Don't, go, don't make that assumption, but he is a person. But he's not just any person. The Holy Spirit is indeed the Holy Spirit. He's deity. He is one and the same with God. He is part of the Trinity. How do we know that? What do we go to? His Word. Okay? Turn with me to Acts 1, or excuse me, Acts 5, 1 through 4. Here's where I got ahead of myself. <laughs> Acts 5, <clears throat> we have the early church. Look at 1 through 4. This is an incredible passage. <clears throat> But a man named Ananias, with his wife, Sapphira, sold a piece of property and kept back some of the price for himself. With his wife's full knowledge and bringing a portion of it, he laid it at the apostles' feet. Okay, you guys are familiar with this story. Then what happened? But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back some of the price of the land? For while it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not under your control? Why is it that you have conceived this deed in your heart and have not lied to men, but lied to God? Okay, the Holy Spirit is called God. He is part of the Trinity. The Holy Spirit is not just a He, but He's God. Okay, here He is called God. That's what I was talking about when um, you guys know the rest of the story. And uh, <clears throat> man, who wouldn't be put to death if God hadn't given me His grace? I know that there's been times that I've lied. And, uh, but the point there is that the Holy Spirit is, is, has the name of God. He's actually called God. Okay? He also has the names of God. He's called the Spirit of Truth, another comforter. He's called the Eternal Spirit and the Holy Spirit. He has the attributes of God. The Holy Spirit is omniscient. He's omnipotent and He's omnipresent. He is eternal. Go to Hebrews with me. Hebrews chapter 9. Towards the back of your Bible there, go to Hebrews chapter 9. What's the, what's the theme of Hebrews, someone? 
Rest is, rest is good, but Christ is better. Good. Christ is supreme. <laughs> rest is good, but Christ is better. Okay, we're seeing the author comparing Christ to all these different things. And here he says, let's back up. Let's go to uh, 13. For if the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of heifer sprinkled those who have been defiled, sanctify the cleansing of the flesh. So if those help clean the flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ through his eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God. Cleanse your consciences, consciences from dead works to serve the living God. Okay, we see that he is an eternal spirit. He must be, he has to be, because he is God. He does the works of God. He's there in creation. He's there in regeneration. He's there in resurrection. He's there in intercession. And he's there in inspiration. He's placed on an equal plane with God. Matthew 28, verse 19. <clears throat> baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Look at 2 Corinthians with me. That's the other bold one there. This is interesting, the way that Paul chooses to do this. 2 Corinthians chapter 13. And verse 14. No, that's not right. 13, yeah it is. I'm sorry, 13, 14. By the grace of the Lord Jesus and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. So normally when we see, we list them in Scripture. We say God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. But here, Paul lists them out of order. Okay, he's okay with changing that around because they all share equal authority. They are all part of the Trinitarian nature of God. Okay? You still with me? You still with me? One teacher, you guys know, probably a lot of you guys know, he'd say, you still with my mates? Oh, Graham. I say, you still with me? Sometimes I'd be nodding off. Sometimes I'd be with him. Okay, what we've gone over so far is pretty vanilla. It's pretty standard. Probably not a lot of disagreements thus far. Okay? Nobody's got up and leave so far. I don't... No, I don't think so. So we're good so far. Okay? What we're going to cover uh, the rest of the time might ruffle some feathers. Okay? Um, I'm going to talk about some things not to intentionally ruffle your feathers, but things that I, I believe to be true and profitable. Why do I share these things with you? To get you fired up? No, not at all. We share these things with you because we love truth and we want to talk about truth and because God has called us to teach the whole counsel or the whole word of God. Okay. My intention is not to pick on anyone here. My intention is not to pick on any specific group, okay? But in much of Christendom, we have errant views because of basing our views on experience rather than the Word of God. Okay, in 2 Peter 1, 19 and 21, Peter talks about experience. He says the prophetic word was, he uses this one, he says prophetic word was made more sure. He says as good as my experience was, and as important as it is, the Word of God is made more sure. Think about how John writes. He touched him. He felt him. He walked with him. He heard them. He experienced him. And yet, John doesn't rely on that. He uses that to authenticate his words. Okay? What does the Spirit do? We've talked about who He is. He's an it. He's not, or excuse me, He's a he. Forget my last sentence. He's a he. Okay? And he's not just any he, he's the very Spirit of God. The question is, what does he do? Well, before we talk about what he does do, what his ministries are, I want to talk real briefly about what he doesn't do. 
Okay, what he doesn't do. The Holy Spirit does not cause people to talk in gibberish, to click their tongues, or to otherwise mutter unintelligible talk. When the Spirit of God gave the gift of tongues, it was not a secret prayer language, it was not an angelic dialect, nor did it lead to chaos and confusion. In fact, that's exactly what Paul rebuked the church at Corinth for. They were abusing this. Okay, it was chaos, it was madness. <clears throat> in fact, I remember being in the dorms when I was at MSU, and a young man came into our room and he was talking, uh, he was a believer, and he was talking about he grew up, and he went to a camp, and they talked in that camp, they were trying to help these people talk in what they called tongues, okay? We're going to talk about what the tongues, gift of tongues actually is. But instead of teaching them about the Bible, they had them say, okay, on the count of three, we're going to do this. If you can't think of anything else, just say yabba-dabba-doo, 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 yabba-dabba-doo until you work yourself up to be able to mutter, okay? That's sad. That's unfortunate. I don't want to paint with such a broad brush and say everyone's right there because they're not, clearly. But that we need to be aware that there's much and many errant views on the Holy Spirit in Christendom. <clears throat> uh, the gift of, or the, the idea of, of speaking in unintelligible language or, or gibberish is not unique to Christianity. You should understand that, okay? There's um, Muslim people who talk in uh, ecstatic speech. There is Mormon people who talk in ecstatic speech. There is um, Buddhist people who talk in ecstatic speech, okay? You need to understand that. What we see is, is not just exclusive uh, to Christianity. And I prayed for those gifts. I remember when I, was, when I was young, when I was a new believer, I said, Lord, if this is real, if this is true, I want this. Because I want to be empowered for ministry. I want to be able to be used for the fullest. I was full of zeal without knowledge. And uh, I just was going after this. I, I just remember staying up at night and, Lord, is this real? Is this not real? Is this real? Or is this not real? I just kept going back to his word. But in Acts 2, we see that the gift of tongues is the gift of languages. Okay, known languages, real speech, real languages. Okay, if you look there, look there in your spare time. We don't have time to go there right now, but you'll see that the people spoke in known languages and the people heard them in their, each their own language. Okay? If the gift of tongues as we see it present in the New Testament was today around, God would be cruel for making missionaries spend years and years and years learning the languages. Ministries like Wycliffe would be unnecessary. To tell someone that they can't be healed because they don't have enough faith or they don't, they don't believe in the prayer you're praying over them is utterly nonsensical. And it's a great discouragement that I've encountered myself. I've had two shoulder surgeries. The first one failed after... Um, something that the doc said was one in a thousand, the sutures tore out and I had to have surgery again. And I had many people offer and want to pray very, very sincerely, very good-hearted, wanted to heal my shoulder. And that was so hard for me because I wanted my shoulder to be better. I still want my shoulder to be better. But you talk to people. I can think of a young man right now struggling in great illness. If anyone would want to be healed, it would be him. Okay? But to pray over people and then to suggest that they're not healed because they don't have enough faith is utterly nonsensical. And it can be a great discouragement. Some modern day healers who say they can heal ought to have their shows in hospitals instead of in uh, huge auditoriums doing wild, unbiblical things. 
if that gift was real, I wish they'd go to the hospital. Okay? Now, if you believe the sign gifts, that is the group of gifts that were around in the first century to help authenticate and prove the apostles' ministry, their words, if you believe those things, are we at odds? Mm-mm. Am I glad you're here tonight? You bet. Does that mean you're not welcome here? Not at all. <laughs> okay, that could not be farther from the truth. It's not to distinguish cross life, or it's not to make you think that we have everything together, that I know everything. It's simply going to the Word of God and saying, what does the Word say, and how can we conform our lives to it? If you come here, we do want you to know that we believe in unapologetically teaching the Word of God. It's not meant to discourage you. It's not meant to remove you. It's not meant to make you feel not welcome. It is meant to make you think critically about the Word of God and to examine it, okay? Now, I believe that that these things we're talking about can be at their best distracting and at their worst very dangerous, okay? I've seen some people get so focused on these things that they neglect the worship of Christ. If I were to give you a thesis tonight, if I were to tell you something that I want you to walk away with tonight, it would be this that you would walk away from here worshiping Christ more, that you would see Him more accurately, that you would see the triune God better, and that you would love and adore and worship Him more deeply. Do not seek after the signs, brothers and sisters. Seek after Christ. Seek after Christ. I also want to say this. If you're going to quote me outside of tonight and and use things that I've said, okay, be sure that you're accurate. Please. Please. Not just for my sake, but for the Word of God's sake. Okay? I believe God does miracles. Absolutely. I believe God heals. I believe God can break down linguistic barriers. Absolutely. Do I believe it's the normal pattern? Do I believe that the gifts that we see today are anything like what we saw in the early apostolic ministry? Not at all. If they were, then think of it. Paul would have been... uh, borderline just rude for telling Timothy to drink wine for a stomach ailment when he could have just sent him a handkerchief and said, here, Timothy, touch this and you'll be healed. Okay. After I think it's about 58 AD, we don't see examples. We don't see signs of miracles, gifts, healings, or tongues uh, in the New Testament. Okay. I do want you to turn to John 16 as we move on. I hope that makes sense to you. I've been praying that that would make sense to you and that you would understand my heart, Andy and I's heart, uh, for this and what we're, what we're talking about tonight. Go to John 16. <clears throat> and go to verse 13. It says this, But when He, the Spirit of truth, comes, He will guide you into all truth, and He will not speak of His own initiative, but whatever He hears, He will speak, and He will disclose to you what is to come, and He will glorify Me, for He will take Mine and disclose it to you. Remember all those personal pronouns, masculine personal pronouns? He, the Spirit of God, He will do what? Why did the Spirit of God come? Well, He came in part to glorify and to point us towards the Son. Okay, so if we don't spend oodles and oodles of time on the Holy Spirit, it's because we're trying to cooperate with the Holy Spirit's ministry, not because we're trying to contradict it. Okay, all of Scripture, as we learned about about three weeks ago, the Old Testament, the New Testament, centers around the person and work of Jesus Christ. 
okay? And the Spirit chose to inform us of those things through His Word. So His ministry is to help us understand Christ, to understand the Godhead by His Word. So when I speak in relation to the Holy Spirit, in relation to the rest of the triune Godhead, I'm not trying to contradict, again, I'm not trying to contradict the Spirit's ministry. I'm trying to come alongside and uh, cooperate and funnel praise towards God the Son rather than distraction. With that all laid out, I hope to tell you what I want you to take home tonight. Okay, there's the introduction. (laughs) Okay, now we're going to go into the subject. We've established the root. Now we're going to talk about the fruit. Remember I said the goal is that you walk away from here tonight more of a worshiper than when you came in. So the work of the Holy Spirit, what does He do? What does the Holy Spirit do? You're already in John 16. Stay there. Look with me at verse 6. 16 verse 6. It says this, But because I have said these things to you, Sorrow has filled your hearts. Jesus has told him, I'm going away. He says, sorrow has filled your hearts. But I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For I do not go, for if I do not go away, the Helper, capital H, Helper, that's the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I do go, I will send Him to you. And when He comes, He will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because he did not believe in me, because they do not believe in me. And concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father, and you no longer see me. And now verse 11, and concerning the judgment, because the ruler of this world has been judged. What is the ministry of the Holy Spirit? Conviction. Okay? In our flesh, what do we want to do with sin? We want to suppress it. Say, I don't want that. I don't need that. I don't want to come to terms with that. I don't want to face that personally. But when the Holy Spirit moves, one of His ministries is conviction. He brings us face to face with our sin. Often He does that through the law. Okay, When we realize we have violated God's law, and not just a set of statutes, but a very reflection of the character of God Himself, the Spirit brings conviction on us. Okay, John 3, 8. Go back a few chapters. Go to John 3. Here's what Jesus says about the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> he says, the wind blows where it wishes and you hear the sound of it, but, I do, but you do not know where it comes from and where it is going. So is everyone who's born of the Spirit. Can you see the wind? Uh-uh. No, you can't. But you can see the effects of it. Can you not? You can feel the effects of it. Same way with the Spirit. Can you see the Spirit? No, we cannot see the Spirit. But we can see the effects of the Spirit when God brings genuine conviction an unborn person's heart, and he goes from saying, I love my sin, and all of a sudden, now I hate my sin, I despise my sin. Why? Because it's offended God, and he has holy, godly sorrow, because the Spirit of God has so worked in his heart that he's helped him change it. Okay, that's what happened in Acts 2, 36 and through 37, when it says, when the Jews, they were cut to the quick. What's going on there? The Spirit brings conviction. They're convicted over their sin. They feel godly sorrow over their sin. Okay? The Spirit energizes the truth. 1 Peter 1.12 talks about those who proclaim the gospel by the Holy Spirit. Okay, so when we preach and teach the true gospel, the Spirit of God empowers the gospel. <clears throat> he brings it to life in a dead man's life. He grants repentance. The Spirit of God grants repentance. Acts 11.18 says this. Or it talks about how the Spirit is, how God has granted repentance to the Gentiles. 2 Timothy 2.23-25 2, 
talks about how we ought to correct those in opposition that God may grant them repentance. Who brings about repentance? Not me. I don't muster up repentance somehow in my life. The Spirit of God brings repentance. Repentance itself is a gift. It's a work of the Spirit. It's out of the proper response to sin. It's out of the proper response to the gospel. Repentance is a change of mind or thought that leads to a change of life, a direction, a pattern. And it changes these actions when regeneration occurs. After regeneration has occurred. That leads us to the next thing. The regeneration ministry of the Holy Spirit. You're already in John 3. Go back to verse 1. Christ is talking to Nicodemus. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus or the ruler of the Jews and he came to Jesus by night. He didn't want to be seen. My note. And he said to him, Rabbi, we know that you have come from God as a teacher, but no one can do these signs you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered and said to him, Truly, truly, verily, verily, listen, pay attention. Truly, I say this to you. No one goes to the kingdom. No one can see the kingdom unless he's born again. Unless one is born again, he can't go see the kingdom. Nicodemus says, How can a man be born again when he's old? He cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born, can he? And Jesus answered, truly, truly, pay attention. Here it is. Truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not be amazed that I said to you, you must be born again. Now, Nicodemus was of who? He was of the Pharisees, and he came by night because he didn't want the fellow Pharisees to see him. Okay? And Nicodemus is a well-educated Jew. And as Jesus says things like, by the water and spirit, that's going to bring something to mind. What's that going to bring to mind? Water, over and over again, the Old Testament speaks of cleansing. Okay, he's going to think of Ezekiel 36. And have chapter breaks back then, or verse breaks, but I'm thinking of 11 through 22. Or 36, 26. 36, 23 through 27. Water is a symbol of cleansing and of the Spirit and it's the source and power of regeneration. Did you catch that? The Spirit is the source, excuse me, the source and the power of regeneration. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, what does it say? I'm not who I used to be. By the grace of God, I'm not who I used to be. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Good. Old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. Where's the, the power of that? The Spirit. I can't tell you how many times I've asked young people if they're Christians. I say, yeah, absolutely. And then I'll ask them if they're born again. And they'll say, come again? What does that mean? How do... We must be born again. You must be born again, brother, sister, if you wish to see the kingdom of God. Okay? Titus 3, 5-7 talks about the same thing. Uh, Romans 8.11 says this, The Spirit of Him who raised, you fr- raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit which dwells in you. Okay, he's given us life. And then what happened? The Spirit dwells in you. That takes us to the next ministry, the indwelling ministry of the Spirit. Look at me. Uh, hold your spot in John 3. No, just go to 1 Corinthians with me. Flip over to 1 Corinthians. Keep following me. <clears throat> Doing great. Stay with me. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20. 
In context, we're talking about, it says flee immorality. It's talking about sexual immorality. It says flee it, get away from it. Every other sin a man commits is outside of his body, but this one's in it. 19 says, or do you not know that your body is what? A temple of the Holy Spirit. What a profound thing. What a weighty thing. Your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own. For you have been brought at a price, bought at a price, therefore glorify God with your body. Remember what Jen said in her testimony? I've been branded with Christ. I'm new. I'm not my own. Now guess what happens? I am a temple of the Holy Spirit. Wow. What a thing. What a thing. The very Spirit of God dwells with inside every truly born again person. Listen to what Romans 8 9 says. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. Then Paul says this, In fact, if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the Spirit of God does not belong to Him. What? Brothers and sisters, if you don't have the Spirit of God, you're not a Christian. That's what Paul is saying. Early in the books of Acts, or in the book of Acts, early in the church, we see people who are genuine believers and they don't have the Holy Spirit. Okay, think about the Old Testament. Genuine believers don't have the Holy Spirit. We're seeing a transition. The apostles come and as an authentication of their ministry, they lay hands and pray. They behold or they bestow the Holy Spirit. But by the time of Paul's writing Romans, shortly later he says this, if you don't have the Holy Spirit, you're not a child of God. Okay? The indwelling ministry of the Holy Spirit, the indwelling of the Spirit happens at salvation. Okay? On a side note, on a side note, here's why, this is why I don't, I'm not as in favor of people just standing on the sidewalk handing out tracts, okay? I think it's better than nothing. Praise God you're doing something, okay? A lot of us are just sitting (laughs) at home praying and wishing we were doing something. But if you're a genuine believer, you have the Holy Spirit of God in there, in you. You're empowered to share the gospel, okay? I can hire 10 of my unbelieving friends and give them 3,000 tracts and have them handed out in a day, but they don't have the Holy Spirit, Okay, anybody can hand out tracts, but when we preach the Holy Spirit, remember what I talked about earlier? The Spirit of God energizes it. Okay. <clears throat> the baptizing ministry of the Holy Spirit. The baptizing of the Holy Spirit. You're already in First Corinthians. Go to chapter twelve with me. Okay, chapter twelve, verses twelve through thirteen. Stick with me. For even as the body is one and yet has many members, and all the members of the body, though they are many, are one body, so also is Christ. Check this out. For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, we were all made to drink of one Spirit. What happens when someone's born again? What happens when someone is regenerated by the Holy Spirit? At the moment of salvation, they're baptized by the Holy Spirit into the body of Christ. The word baptized means to, to place or dip into. We are placed into the body of Christ. It's salvation. Okay? One Spirit. Whether Jews or Gentiles, whether uh, MSU or MBC or Workforce or MDub or whatever, if you're a genuine believer, you're in the body of Christ. Okay? Colossians 1.13 talks about how He's delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of His beloved Son. Okay, we've come out of darkness. We've been baptized into the body by His Holy Spirit. This is not a second blessing. 
brothers, sisters. This is not something subsequent to salvation. It's something that happens at salvation. Okay? You're baptized into the body. That takes us finally to the sealing ministry of the Holy Spirit. The sealing ministry of the Holy Spirit. Turn to Ephesians with me. Galatians, Ephesians, and go to chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 13 and 14. In Him you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in Him with the Holy Spirit of promise. Thank You, Lord, that He gave us the Spirit as a seal and a promise. Okay, Remember what we talked about last week? How many of you raised your hands when uh, Andy asked last week as we were teaching, he said, how many of you are experiencing or have experienced doubt? A great number of you. And there was times in my past where I really doubted, Lord, have you really saved me? Am I really a, a new believer? Am I really a son of you? It says, after listening to the message of the truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise. Verse 14, who is given to you as a pledge of our inheritance with a view to the redemption of God's own possession to the praise of His glory. To the praise of His glory. Why did He save us? What a statement. To the praise of His glory. (laughs) He saved us because He loves us, because He cares dearly for us. He also saved us because He wants worship and He deserves worship. And we as His children now get to worship Him. You're in Ephesians. Go to chapter 4. Look with me at verse... Hmm. Oh, I went all the way to Philippians. That's why there's no 4.30. Stops at 4.23. Ephesians 4.30. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. By whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Okay? When we talk about genuine biblical assurance, it's not this. It's not... uh, God saved me and I hold on to Him and uh, if I let go, I let go and I'm gone. I'm donezo. Okay? There is an active part of our walk. Okay? We pursue, we endure, we persevere as Christians. But what happens when we're genuinely born again, God saves us and He holds on to us and He says, none of my sheep will I let go. Okay? And He seals us with the Holy Spirit. It's not the Holy Spirit. It's just an illustration. Okay, He seals us with the Holy Spirit. Okay, that's a. When I found that out, I was blown away, believers. I was. When I found out that it wasn't me who. Now, do I actively pursue, endure, strive, run after God? The psalmist says, "My soul runneth or pursueth hard after Thee." Absolutely. But remember what I talked about a couple weeks ago. Uh, Peter says it this way. So Paul. Paul says it this way. He says, uh, says, I labored. I worked harder than all of them. But it wasn't me who worked, but the Spirit of God in me. As we pursue God, it is His work in us. Okay? He seals us. He keeps us. If you're genuinely born again, you're not going anywhere. And if you try, guess what happens? He's there. 
And because he loves you dearly, he chastens you and he disciplines you. Just like a father does his son that he loves and he brings him back in. Okay. Now what did I do when I asked uh, that pretty girl back there to marry me on Christmas? What did I do? I say, hey Brooke, here's a cool necklace. Would you marry me? No. Her heart wouldn't have been broken, but she probably would have been a little bit disappointed. If I gave her a, what are those Hawaiian Laos? Lays. Lays. If I gave her a lay, would she have been happy? Um, Probably not. (laughs) Right? What did I do? I gave her a ring, a diamond ring, as a seal, as a pledge that said, Brooke, I will marry you. I love you. Would you join me in following Christ? Would you follow me in following Christ? I didn't give her a lay. I didn't give her a book. I, didn't, I gave her a ring as a pledge. And I said, Brooke, marry me. Help me follow Christ. Be with me. Run after Christ with me. Why did I do that? I gave her a pledge. Okay. God has given you a pledge and He sealed you with His Holy Spirit if you're a genuine believer. Does that make sense? Okay. All human illustrations break down. But hopefully that helps you get your, your mind around. He has really sealed us. Okay? We couldn't possibly touch on all that the Holy Spirit has done in one night. But we've hit two roots and we've hit one fruit. We'll talk about some of the other things real briefly. 1 Corinthians 12, he talks about how the Spirit has gifted us. What does that mean? It means you have no excuse not to serve. Okay? It means in the body of Christ, there is no excuse. Okay, if you're new here tonight, Man, praise God. We're happy you're here. Come back again. Worship with us corporately. Believe in the gospel. We hope you'll be encouraged. We've been praying for you. If you've been around a while, don't just warm up a pew. We're going to come for you. Okay. (laughs) Find a way to serve. You've been gifted. Serve. Friday nights isn't a replacement for Sunday morning. You don't have to just serve at Cross Life. Okay. Awanas need some young men. We need some men up in the sound booth. We need some men and women up in the sound booth. Women, you can serve too if you want. <laughs> we some people to walk people down the pews to make people feel welcome. Believe me, there is things to do. Okay? He has given us gifts. Second Thessalonians 1.13, He's separated us from sin. Ephesians 8, here's the only exhortation about the Spirit. He says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Actively be filled. That's something that happens after salvation again and again. It's only one we're commanded to do. The Holy Spirit also intercedes for all true believers. Application. Take home. What do you take home? Take home this sheet. Study it. Look at it. Go to a community group and talk about it more next week. Worship. Earlier we sung about the bright seraphim around the throne. What's He doing right now as we sit here? He is worshiping and he says, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. I hope that you've learned more about God tonight and so you worship him more. But more knowledge won't just make you worship, okay? Think about how simple what the seraphim say. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Heaven and earth are full of his glory. Worship, worship because of what you learn. Be thankful, serve, don't be lazy. We'll come after you eventually, okay? Serve in the body. Find a way to serve. Many league. I mean, if you don't go to grace, find a way to be a blessing to your local body. That's okay. 
Find a way to be a blessing, okay? Bless your shepherds. Go to them. Ask them how. Pray for them. Serve them, okay? The Spirit's given you gifts. You minister to others. You worship. You're thankful. You're humble. And you're joyful because of what the Spirit of God has done in you. God has given you His Spirit. Not a diamond ring, okay? Even diamond rings fade. Even diamond rings go away. The Spirit is eternal. Remember what we learned in Hebrews? May we worship all the more because of what we learned. Let me pray. Lord, I get excited as we talk about these things. You know that. But I want to worship. Man, I want to glorify You, Lord. And I want all of us to. Thank You for for giving us information about who you are. Thank you for writing down and recording accurately who you are. Thank you for your spirit, which has convicted us, has baptized us, has sealed us, has indwelled us. Lord, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You are the author of our salvations and we want to praise you and worship you tonight. Help us to continue this worship now as we sing to you, Lord. We ask this in your precious name. Amen.